All right, so today, though, we're starting on a brand new series. We're starting a series um, called Servants and Leaders. These are the men and women who build the church. And this is a great, it's a great follow-up to the Bad Religion series that we just finished. Right, next month and a half or so, we're going to spend time talking about the people who actually build God's church and make it amazing. Okay, so as opposed to bad religion, there are people who make the church an incredible organization, an incredible blessing in the city where the church is. And so um, our goals in this series are twofold. Okay, we want to actually nominate new elders and deacons for our church. Okay, we're going to do that. Um, and so these will be new servants and new leaders. But secondly, we want to clearly see how every man and woman in our church is called by God to do their part to build the church and to make it awesome. Okay, and so this next slide is going to have an overview of the series and where we're going. Let me just run through how the next uh, month and a half or so is going to go. First, today we're going to talk about Harbor's process for new servants and leaders. And then next week we're going to talk about men and specifically what does God call men to be, then women, what God calls women to be, then we're going to zoom in on elders and how to recognize elders, then deacons and how to recognize them, and then finally, how all men and women can build God's church. Okay, so that's, that's where we're going with this. And so today, we're going to talk about the process, and so the next slide will show us, um, this is what we're going to do today. We're going to first just look at the historical background to elders and deacons. Right, what the heck is an elder? Isn't that an insult? Right? Um, what's an elder and what's a deacon? If you haven't been around the church at all, like the word deacon just sounds kind of weird. And so we're going to talk about where these names came from, where these terms came from, and then we're going to go through briefly the process that we're going to follow that's actually going to take us all the way into January of next year. Now, as we go through this series, some of you are going to be inspired to start doing the things that elders and deacons do. And that's fantastic. If you hear something, you go, man, I want to do that, or I want to be that kind of person, that's phenomenal. We love it. This series is going to equip all of us, not just for people who end up getting nominated for elder and deacon. Um, and then some of you are going to be thinking as we talk over the next weeks, you're going to be thinking about other people that you know that are currently acting like elders and deacons right now. And that's also great, because in the next, I guess in probably two or three weeks, we're going to open up the nomination process, and you're going to have a chance to nominate people for these offices. One of our values as a church is equipping leaders, and this series is going to equip us all to serve and to lead in the church. Okay, and so next slide, um, we're just going to start with the historical background of elders and deacons. And I want you to just sort of understand sort of the story behind the role, first of all, of elders. Okay, so think back, if you would. Imagine with me, if you would, in the ancient world, there's a city. And all kinds of people live and work, families grow, families die, families are reborn, all these things happen. And as people age, their role in the community changes, right? And there's a point where people get too old to work. And what would happen would be they would retire from work, and many old people would spend time at the gates of the city where they lived. They just spent time in the gates. The city gates was a central place for the people of the town. 
because it had a lot of activity. The gates were where newcomers would come, where people would go out into the fields to farm. They'd come back at night. Um, and often it was a place of commerce and just a lot of activity. If something new was going on, if you were at the gates, you were aware of it. So rumors, gossip, the, the news of the day was centralized around the gates of the city. And so if you were retired, that's probably the best place to go, Right? Otherwise, you're sitting at home doing nothing. They didn't have phones. They didn't have iPads. You couldn't get online and social mediaize yourself and create a whole new world for yourself to be involved with people just like you. Um, back then, you, just had, you went to the city gates and you hung out. You had a good time, and that was what a lot of older people did. And so these were people who began to sit in the gates, who had lived a good measure of life, and they had time on their hands, and they would gather, they would sit there, they'd spend the day watching, talking with each other and with the people who came by. And so the elders gathered at the city gates. All right, now, imagine that you are a young professional back then, right? You're, a, you're engaged in work, and let's say you had a problem that you didn't know how to handle. Well, where would you go? You might first go to your family. You might ask your parents if they're still around. You might ask grandparents if they're around. But then you would go to the city gates to find an elder to ask for wisdom. If maybe you and I both were young professionals and we had a dispute, and it was something that we couldn't resolve together, and we needed someone who could offer us wisdom, who could give us perspective, um, who could even mediate our dispute, where would you go? Now, you might want to go to your family, I might want to go to mine, but chances are we're probably going to need a third party, right? That's not it beholden to either one of us. And so you'd go, we'd go to the gates of the city to find an elder that we could both trust. Okay, I might want to go to Bill, because I know him, I trust him. And you might say, wait, hold on a second, I don't know Bill at all. Um, he was a judge, actually, so I'm not real comfortable with judges. So, you know... I'd rather go talk to John Jackson because he's in real estate and he's a personal guy and I've been with him. I know him. It's like, all right, yeah, I know John. I trust John. Let's go to John, right? So this is what would happen. And so over time, this became more and more official. The city gates were, would be the go-to place to go for help, for leadership, and for wisdom. Now, there were some elders at the gates who were there because they were just old and had nothing better to do. Okay, but if we had a dispute, we're not going to go to those people, right? We're not going to go to the people who are there just because they have nothing better to do. We're going to choose to go to the people that we trust, people with good character, who have real wisdom. And over time, the wisest at the city gates became more official elders with an official office. And we see this in the Bible, Okay, and so I'm going to look at the verses that are printed in your bulletin there. If you want to take notes, you can do that as well. But uh, the next slide has um, Deuteronomy 21, verses 19 and 20. It's in your bulletin, but it's up here as well. It just says this, Then his father and mother shall take hold of him. This is a rebellious child. Take hold of him and bring him out to the elders of his city at the gate of the place where he lives. And they shall say to the elders of his city. Okay, then the next slide has... Joshua 20, verse 4, says, He shall flee to one of these cities and shall stand at the entrance of the gate of the city and explain his case to the elders of that city. And so you see here, the elders were sitting at the city gates. They heard problems, even illegal cases 
of the city members. And so the next slide gives us a little bit of a generic definition born out of this historical reality of what elders were. So elders led people to flourish as individuals and as a community with wisdom and love. Okay? Elders led people to flourish as individuals and as a community, right? Because if we have a dispute, we're going to the elders. It's not just my personal advice or my career wisdom. But they, they lead people to flourish as individuals, as a community, with wisdom and with love. Now, the church adopted this concept for its own leadership. And at the core, the historical background shows this group of people who were wise, they cared for other people, and they could help them and lead them as a community. And this is what the Apostle Paul wanted for the church. And in his letter to Titus, he gave these instructions that are on the next slide. Titus 1, verse 5, it says, this is Paul talking to Titus, this is why I left you in Crete so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. Now, in the church, there are some differences between, you know, who's qualified to be an elder in the church versus a general elder of a city. Um, Being an elder in the church takes on significantly more content um, than just life wisdom and dispute resolution. We're going to talk more about that in the weeks to come. But this is where the practice historically came from. Now, shifting to deacons, deacons grew up a little bit more organically within the church. The word deacon is actually the term for the word servant. Okay, it's just another word for servant. It's a general term. This wasn't a slave. Sometimes we think about servant, we think slave. These weren't slaves, but the the word described people who served others. Um, And so these were people whose lives were characterized by a heart that just wanted to, to, to fix things, that wanted to make things better. So these were uh, people in the church who just helped out in all kinds of different ways. They looked for needs in the community. Um, some of the service that was rendered was very personally driven, taking care of people. Other times it was more just, hey, who can help out with I mean, thinking about the ancient world, but the modern world would be like, who can help set up chairs, right? Who can help make sure Sunday is set up? Like, who can take care of, of projects that need to get done? I mean, these are people whose heart led them to, they're always asking the question, how can I make things better? What do you need? Who is hurting? You know, what needs fixing? And they cared so much about serving others that they came to be known as servants, which is the Greek word, diakonos. And so the word deacon is just an English transliteration of a Greek word that just means servant. Now the church came to a place where they officially recognized these people um, and they made this into an office of the church. They wanted to organize the deacons and bring them together to meet larger and more complicated needs. And so Next slide has a working definition of what deacons are. Deacons serve the needs of individuals and the community of the church. Okay? They served the needs of individuals and they serve the community of the church. In the next six weeks or so, we're going to look, we're going to identify prospective elders and deacons in our church. And what's exciting is that anytime we do this, anytime we define the kinds of leaders and the kinds of servants that the church wants to put into official roles, all of us are going to be encouraged to serve and to lead the church with our 
time and energy. We're all going to find in our hearts like new ways to think about how we can be a blessing to the community. So this isn't just about elders and deacons. It's about all of us. And so these are elders and deacons in historical background. So now next slide, we're going to look now at the process that we're going to follow as a church. So there's two verses that I want to share with you to help you understand why we're going to follow a process. Because I think for some of you, you might look at this process by the time we're done and go, dang, that's a lot. But I want to show you these verses so that you'll see why we're going to take such care and effort in doing this and doing it right. So the next slide has a couple of verses. First Timothy 5.22 says, Do not be hasty in the laying on of hands. The laying on of hands is the ordination of people to office. So don't be hasty. Don't do it too quickly, nor take part in the sins of others. So the idea there is that if somebody else is pushing someone to be in leadership too soon, the instruction here is don't be too hasty. Don't join in the sin of putting someone in leadership before they're ready. And then 1 Timothy 3.10 says, and let deacons also be tested first, and then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Okay, blameless doesn't mean perfect, okay? I know, you're like, oh, wait, I'm out. I can't be a deacon. I'm not blameless. Neither am I. It's not, the, it's not what that means. It means mature. It means that the stuff that you do that's wrong, you're honest about. So we'll talk more about that in the coming weeks. And so the process of testing elders and deacons um, is, uh, is something that we're going to follow, and the process we laid out is going to help us to evaluate people, to test people, to make sure that they're ready to do what we need them to do to lead and to serve the church. Um, and now, again, I, I don't want to sound like a broken record here, but as we go through this, you're going to find in your heart, as we describe things that elders do, describe things that deacons do, you're going to start doing some things that you haven't ever done before. You're going to start caring about people. You're going to start shepherding. You're going to start thinking about caring for someone else's spiritual well-being. You're going to start looking for opportunities to serve the needs of people and to serve the needs of the church. And that is phenomenal. This series is going to prepare some of you for the next time that we bring on new elders and deacons. But for this season... We are looking for people who have a demonstrated maturity in these things. Okay? They have, they're, they're not perfect, but we're looking for people who have been tested in both suffering and difficulty. Right? They're not too young, and they've been doing the roles that we're looking for. They've been doing it already. They're not perfect. They might need training, but they've been faithful to Jesus, and their faith and their life is worth following. Okay? So, so that's what we're looking for. And so this is what we're going to do. The, the next slide is a, is a really just an overview of the entire process that we're going to follow. And I'm just going to walk through this um, <clears throat> with the rest of the time that we have. So we're going to start with a sermon series starting today, June and July. Um, we're going to preach through these things, as I said earlier. And in this process, we're going to provide you with written descriptions of elders and deacons so that you'll know what the Bible says about who should be nominated and who should be elected. Then, in June and July, so starting in just a few weeks, we're going to open up nominations, where we're going to give you a chance to nominate people for these two roles. And this is actually the first step of the test. 
Nominations are the beginning of the sort of assessment and the testing of people, okay? Because this is your assessment of the church community. Um, Who do you see that's doing these things? And who do you think should be trained and given the role and the authority in the church? And um, so in mid-June, as we preach through the roles, we're going to open up nominations so that you can nominate folks. And so you're going to have this experience as you hear and as we see what the Bible says about these things. You're going to think, wow, wait, you know what? This person in the church, they'd be really good at this. Or you're going to think, you know what? This person in my life group, they're already doing this. I've experienced this and I've seen them do this. And so I'd really like them to, to, to serve in this role. I want them to do this officially. And so in this process, I want you to be praying along with me, along with our current elders, Lord, is there someone that I should nominate for these roles? Then once the nominations are done in July, each individual nominee will be interviewed by the elders, the current elders of the church. And so we're going to have specific conversations with them to see, um, do they want to do this job? Uh, Do they understand what the job entails, and are they willing to say yes to the real job as it is? Do they have the time, and do they have the gifts and the abilities? Are they mature enough and ready to do it? And it's important to say that not everyone who gets nominated is going to move forward in that process. Um, when the last time we did this, there were people that just had opted out before anything else happened. Um, just in the, some people just turned down the nomination Other people opted out during the interview process and still others during the training decided that they just didn't have the time um, or they just, they they felt like this wasn't the right fit for them. And that's okay. That's okay. Um, There's some people who are going to actually use this process not to become elders and deacons this time around, but uh, they'll do it. uh, They want to grow and so they're going to use it for the future. So after that interview, we're then going to train people. So there's going to be four months of training. Um, being an elder or a deacon is a big deal. Like these are significant and important roles in the church as we're going to see. And so we want to train people. We don't want people to feel underqualified. And I think in our church, there's a little bit of that sense of like people don't feel like I, I'm, not, I'm not ready for this or I could never do this or I'm not worthy to serve in this way. And so we want to train you. We want to train folks who get nominated Um, And so we're going to take these four months to equip people. And so there's going to be reading, there's going to be homework, um, there's going to be ministry exercises for people so that they can experience uh, and test themselves uh, to see uh, what this role feels like to kind of put it on. Uh, There's a Bible education theology component uh, to this, and then there's a practical ministry element as well. We want people to get to a place where they feel like I mean, if you feel unworthy apart from God, that's great. But by God's grace and through the power of Jesus dwelling in you, we want you to feel like because of him, you can actually serve in these ways. All right, then in November, we'll have exams. This is the end of the training process. There's both written and oral exams so that the elders can evaluate whether the nominee is qualified and has the desire to serve and or lead the church. Then in December, for those who pass, um, we're going to distribute their testimonies. So we're going to communicate to you using video, using written documents, so that you can get to know them a little bit personally. 
um, so that you'll know and have a better chance of getting to know people um, so that you can see who they are and be ready to vote for them. And elections will happen in January. We'll have a church-wide election on a Sunday morning. Uh, during a service, we'll have a congregational meeting. Uh, written ballots, if you haven't been here for us. So we'll pass out ballots, you'll vote, you'll write your name down. Um, and then we'll have a formal Sunday service in sort of mid to late January where we'll actually install these new officers. So that's the process. I hope that's not too tedious, but I wanted to make sure that we communicated all of this to you. Um, so that you could hear it, you could hear me talk about it, you can get a feel for what it's going to be like. Um, we think that this process is the best way to make sure that we're following what the Bible says about testing people, examining them, about not laying hands on people too soon. And so I want to call every one of you to take this process seriously. Okay, don't be flippant about this. Um, our church needs you to thoroughly engage in this process. And so I want you to be here for these sermons, um, not only because they're going to inspire you, but because we need you to be wise and informed when the nomination process happens, when the elections happen. Um, if you miss, I want you to listen to the messages online. Um, in your life groups, please talk about these things. Um, make sure that you're all like becoming you develop a fluency about what the roles are, what the roles do, um, and then just pay attention to what the Bible says about servants and leaders so that you can nominate and vote for people who ultimately can show us more of Jesus. Okay, because that's at the bottom of what we're doing. There are churches that don't believe that people will take this seriously enough, and so when it comes to elders and deacons, the leadership of the church and the staff just sort of take care of it and they present to you. They decide who's going to lead. Um, but that's not who we are. As Presbyterians, um, we are a representative government, which means that you don't have any, anyone who is in authority over you who isn't voted on by you as a congregation. Now, um, so I want to talk about the first step that you have to take in order to engage with this process. And it's on the next slide. This is where it comes down and hits the ground. Step one to engage in this process is that you need to become a member of our church. Okay? If you want to be nominated, you need to become a member of our church. If you want to nominate someone in this process, you have to become a member of our church. Um, now, church membership, we've talked about this off and on. Um, we don't make a big, huge deal of this. We don't push people or make them feel too guilty about not being a member. Too guilty. Um, <laughs> but membership, church membership, what does that mean? Well, it just simply means being willing to publicly declare that you're a Christian and that you are willing to follow the leadership of our church when it's consistent with the Bible. That's what membership is. Publicly declaring, I'm following Jesus, I'm being changed by Jesus, I'm committed to his mission, right? That's what it means to follow, be a Christian. Um, and that you are willing to follow the leadership of this church, which means me as the pastor and our elders, when our leadership is consistent with the Bible. And so, like I said, we don't push people or force people to become members, but membership is part of what the Bible says it means to be committed to 
Jesus' family. Membership means really you're just saying, look, this is my church, and I'm committed to treating this group, this church, like it's my family. And again, that you're willing to follow the leadership of the church when it's consistent with the Bible. If you're not willing to do that, then you don't get the privilege to make decisions about how the leadership of our church is going to be chosen. Um, And it's those people who have committed themselves to the church. They're the ones who are eligible to lead the church and then to vote for its leaders. And look, I I don't want this to sound harsh. I I really don't. I I don't want this to come across um, in a controlling way because there are a lot of you who are incredibly committed to our church and you're not members. There are a lot of you who uh, just haven't made the commitment. Um, Some of you have no real reason. You just haven't gotten around to doing it. Um, Some of you have actually had really awful experiences in the past where you've actually been abused by church leadership in the past, and so you're gun shy. Um, I understand that. As elders, we understand that. And so I would say that... um, if you've been hurt in the past, would you please come to us and talk to us? Um, that's how you're going to move through the pain of the past and to be able to commit again. Um, but this requirement is not designed to slight you, um, but it's just to realize that in order to have a say in the leadership of a church, you've got to be committed to it. You've got to be committed. You have to be willing to say, I'm willing to submit to the leadership of this church. So now, if you're not a member, if you're not a member, we're going to give you the chance to become a member. And so if you've been around our church for any amount of time, you can become a member. Um, And so if you've already taken the Harbor City intro class, you don't have to take it again. All you need to do is to sign the membership covenant and then let us know and we'll schedule you to be interviewed by one of our elders. Um, And if you haven't taken the Harbor City intro class, we're going to have one in the next few weeks so that you can sign up, take the class, and we'll give you a chance to become members of the church so that you can be part of the nomination process. You could be nominated as well. And so if you are interested in becoming a member and you know you're not right now, use the connection card and just write down your contact information. Just say, I want to become a member. If you don't know if you're a member or not, um, and I know that's true for some of you, some of you, I don't know if you're members or not, Actually, I do. I know, I know who's members. Um, but if you don't know if you're a member, you can write down the card, just say, am I a member? And we'll let you know if you're a member or not and help you in the process. Um, and so what I want to communicate to you is that this whole process, this whole process is all about, it's identifying servants and leaders ultimately who will lead us to Jesus. Okay, again, at the bottom, at the base, at the foundation layer of all leadership in the church, we are looking for people who can show us Jesus. Okay, that's, that's what we're looking for. Um, we want people leading our church. We want people in these official roles who can help us to experience more of Jesus here in our church family. And so, we're going to skip the next slide that's blank and then go to the following slide back up. I want you to see these elders. So if elders um, back then led people to flourish as individuals and as a community with wisdom and love, 
and deacons serve the needs of individuals and the community of the church, I want you to know that Jesus is the ultimate deacon. Jesus is the ultimate deacon. I mean, think about it. Jesus has served the needs of individuals and has served the community of the church with his entire life and up to the point of his own death. Jesus served us as individuals and as a church community to the uttermost. He did not stop serving us with his life, with his time, with all of his gifts, with everything that he had until he was dead. And he has served us all the way to the end and beyond. Jesus rose from the dead, and even in resurrection, he stands daily interceding for us. He stands daily serving us and making sure that we stay close to God, that we have an assurance of God's love, and we're looking for deacons who can show us this kind of Jesus. Jesus is the ultimate deacon, and then Jesus is also the ultimate elder. Um, Elders led people to flourish as individuals with wisdom and love. Jesus didn't just pass through life and then at the end of his life sit at the gates of the city. Jesus passed through life and into death. And in his resurrection, Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God. Jesus is the embodiment of God himself. He has all wisdom and all love, and he leads us to flourish as individuals and as a community. And so ultimately, this process is about Jesus. It's about the gospel. It's looking for people who can remind us of just how much God himself loves and cares for us. And so let's be these people following Jesus by his grace. Let's identify those who can help us to become these people. Let's pray together. Jesus, again, you take the ideas and the offices of elder and deacon and you fill them with your inspiring narrative, with your love and your service to us with your leadership over us. Jesus, we're excited. We're excited about this. We're excited to be able to identify people in our church who can show us these parts of you. But Jesus, I pray that in this process that you would even now come to us. um, Come to us and begin to awaken in each of us the ways that we emulate elders and deacons. Help us to see the ways that we reflect and display you. Show us these things. And Lord, for those of us who have a sense of what our gifts are and how you've wired us, help us all the more to earnestly and passionately engage in building your church and making this a place and a family full of wisdom and love. And we pray this so that you would be honored so that this church would train up and equip men and women who can astound our city. So that we would have, we'd be full of men and women, and it goes beyond 
or being part of our church would, be a, would make a difference in our city. We pray this so that you would receive the glory and the credit. In your name, amen.